Hello, I'm Richard Fieldhouse. And I'm Sarah Chambers. And this is uh, this podcast is about um, carrying on with our previous podcast about getting set up as a GP locum. And this one today is about developing your booking process. Um, it, it, it's something that uh, is probably particularly relevant to newly qualified GPs, but also if you've been working as a partner or salary GP for quite some time, um, it's kind of thing when when Sarah first suggested this topic of developing your booking process, I thought, well, I've never heard of that before. You know, this whole we don't really think of it as a thing, but it is a oh, huge yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of those things that we're not talked about, and so we don't really necessarily think about it in that overt sort of way. So what we've kind of done here, we're going to talk about is how we've deconstructed that process, and and I'm going to hopefully. Um, help you build that up. Mm. Um, okay. So, Sarah, you, you, what, what, what do you think? What do you mean by that process? Then, well, can we just mention that um, this, this, this podcast accompanies, if you like, the uh, the handbook that we produced uh, earlier in summer two thousand seventeen. Um, as part of our Art of GP Locuming series. Yeah, which, which you can, if you go to the main NESGP website, scroll right down to the bottom of the page, there's a link there, The Art of GP Locuming. That will take you onto a page where you can subscribe to this podcast, listen to all the previous episodes, and also download um, the 40-odd page uh, PDF um, uh, from GP Registrar to GP Locum, but it's also equally relevant if you're a to register but also there's an apple ibook version of it as well so if you um are lucky enough to have an ipad you can look at it on that if you're really lucky enough to have two ipads can you send me the other one because mine is so old it just doesn't bear anything anymore uh yeah so so really this 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 uh, this podcast is accompanied by by that handbook where we uh, elaborate further i guess the, the first thing then is i think it's really interesting you saying that you don't it's not really a thing that people think about their, their booking process and i think a good place to start is you know why 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 is the booking process important and uh, I would I would argue based on on my experience and the experience of people that we hear about from the NESGP is is that really the a, a, a really safe booking process a safe locum session a safe satisfactory locum session really starts uh, by having you know a really clear booking process in which you reach a, a cleared set of shared expectations and terms with the practice uh, that are understood and confirmed in writing before the session starts so that you both know what's going on and it's not pretty when that doesn't happen so our previous uh, uh, podcast at the end we posed the question you know okay so a practice says to you uh, can you come and work for us next Thursday morning and that might mean very different things to the practice than it does to you. So the booking process is about you um, uh, ha- having a think, defining in your own mind um, what it is you're happy to do, um, the uh, your safe working boundaries in terms of number of patients that you want to see, your appointment lengths, any breaks or catch-up slots that you mm-hmm. might have, uh, any types of work in general practice that you're you're not happy to do and we can talk about some of the emerging trends in general practice and things that you might sort of get asked to do that might slip under the radar and um, you know some of these terms and conditions they might be sort of boilerplate things that, that are the same for every practice and yet that you build into your 
your your standard terms and conditions that you distribute to all practices and some might be things where uh, you develop a mental checklist that you uh, you know for each practice you have different conditions because you start to realize that that practices vary and there's some things you might be happy to do in some practices but perhaps not in others where you're less familiar with them okay so that's the sort of starter for for 10 so so for so to sort of encapsulate that encapsulate that then for many uh, of us new to locuming then sort of step one would be something along the lines of me as a locum somehow getting my identification out there so that a practice can contact me my contact details Mm -hmm. step two would be and the practice phones me up or emails me and said, hey, can you do some local work for us? And three would be me thinking or me looking at that email, listening to what they say, maybe asking a few questions and then making a decision based on that. Um, so that that would be a sort of a, I suppose, a, a, I think a, I think there might be sort of a step two and a half in there in that you you. Uh, perhaps proactively want to sit down and we cover this oh yeah sure in, 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 in this case i meant more of what we're probably what, what many of us are doing before they've listened to this podcast oh, and afterward um uh, and then because because it's something that that we've not really um been taught to sort of to, to look out for and already what well, you've been you've, you've mentioned you've probably mentioned covered about 10 mm, different, different parameters, parameters already yeah. um and there are probably 30, 40 different parameters involved when it comes to you wanting to make um, a, a booking, to make a decision, to make an informed decision about a booking. And I think because we so often do it on the back foot without having thought about it, without being prepared for this booking request, we sort of take it at face value. Mm. And all that stuff that, that actually, in hindsight, having done the session, you think... Damn, did I really agree to see forty patients this yeah, morning? Yeah, yeah. But they, they said I did. I said I, I'm, 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 I'm. I don't, I don't do on call. I mean, I don't, I don't do visits. But and 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 they said yes, that's fine. But actually, I was on call, um, so I wasn't actually doing visits. But I saw thirty extras, mm-hmm. and I'm not making that up. I know locums. Oh yeah, I've, I, I had think between, been given thirty extras. Well, I think between us, we could come up with lots of lots of um, lots of case studies where you know that that or could you come and work for us next Thursday morning could mean uh, many many different things. You know, numbers of patient contacts. Uh, you know, telephone work, uh, uh, g- giving prostap injections, uh, all, all all manner of things which you may or may not be uh, comfortable with. So some uh, the the old chestnut of arriving at a practice and um, actually before you even start saying actually there there are three extra patients at, at the front desk now <laughs> and and well you you know you're standing in for Dr Marlow this is what Dr Marlow does um, so we just assumed that's what you would do and actually yeah. so there, there's a lot and and this isn't this. I think the key thing to get across is that this isn't about uh, being difficult or pernickety or expecting some kind of red carpet. This is about safety. Um, it's about it's, you being a good GP. Yeah, it's it's uh, the it's about you um, being able to set your safe working boundaries, and uh, you, you know something that the practice might not be aware is of is that you know you've got other commitments that you have to 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 get to afterwards. So when you're sort of saying actually i need to stick to these terms and conditions you're actually thinking of a, of a greater whole of of safety and quality in other practices too so um 
it's really it, it don't don't uh, it can be very difficult when you don't get your terms and conditions clearly sorted and they're not clearly communicated mm. to everyone concerned at the practice and you get presented with extra work that you weren't anticipating and you have to make a stand and say actually I'm really sorry this isn't part of the booking um but uh, it can be very awkward um very and that's the wrong time to make a stand post hoc we need to do it all in advance so this is it so everything that we're talking about now is preventing that situation it's about dealing with that significant event before it happens (laughs) brilliant i like that so sorry you i saw you clicking away and you've now opened up um the terms and conditions generator uh, in locum deck um and and there in front of here in front of us is um a there was a lot of work went behind this and we had a lot of help from a from a a, 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 a law employment company to put this together um and these are terms and conditions for you as a locum gp but also you as a practice manager um and the, i think the best id the best type of terms and conditions are ones that that um that you don't need to necess- you don't need to keep on double checking and reading up on these are very um uh, uh clearly defined and, and what they do for the practice is is they they stop the practice accidentally um making making you an employee and therefore being liable for your tax and for your national insurance and for your holidays which you might as a locum might really like but actually you, there are lots of there's a reason why you're a self-employed locum or there's a reason why you're a you want to be an employee but this helps um, prevent any arguments keeps it all nice and clear but also in our we call it a terms and conditions generator because we've put lots of pre-filled choices for you to make um, so there's lots of little buttons to click there Sarah so what what, what sort of things have we got so as I say, it's very customizable. This is very much a sort of terms and conditions picker. So it covers things like, uh, you know, specifying your minimum consultation length. Um, if you're if if you're agreeing to do telephone consultations, the minimum length of those, because how many of us have arrived at practices and and suddenly found you're sort of somehow doing five minute appointments? And <laughs> these are telephone consultations, and actually there's actually not much reason why a telephone consultation should take less time than a, a standard consultation. In fact, they may even take longer for lots of reasons but um so there's that in there the maximum number of patient contacts per session um options for whether you will or won't be doing um or under what conditions you'll be doing home visits uh whether you're happy to do uh, private nhs work uh whether you're prepared to do uh administrative tasks in the practices and we we talk about this i think uh, in other places we call them non non contact patient management tasks this is the the old chestnut when you arrive and again <laughs> oh well you're dr marlow today aren't you so there's the sort of 80 lab results that have come in via the path links and here's their clinic letters that you've got to go through and it's kind of sometimes presented as oh it's just a it's just something that happens automatically just get on with it you're the doctor but actually these are really these are really crucial patient management tasks and you really have to understand it's fine to to do them but you have to 
to know about it and you have to be given proper induction into how that practice works so that you can process those properly uh, and and there aren't lapses in care because because something has a, a practice process has been missed because you haven't understood it so a little tick box on your terms and conditions is really important and it's really important for you to be uh, aware that it's 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 not normal and I would argue not acceptable to be unexpectedly without any time allotted without any um, without any warning or induction to just be plopped a load of results that you're suddenly expected to do and and, and what we're not saying here is that as a locum you shouldn't do um, 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 look at blood test results we're not we're not saying that at all um, but saying absolutely do that um, and, and you know there's there's nothing as a fully qualified GP that you are that you that you shouldn't be able to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what we're saying here is that that if, if you've you've booked you've booked yourself let's say for a four-hour session and you've got your 18 patients and as, as a consequence of those 18 patients or 15 patients whatever you'll have some necessary paperwork because of that but then that pile of 80 blood test results to go through um and a few referrals to check through there's about two hours worth of work there if you're going to do it properly, mm. if you're going to look through the patient's notes, or you might need to phone some up, you, you in very 80 results, you will be needing to phone some up. That's a lot of time there. And this is not just stuff you can squeeze in in your coffee break. Mm. Um, and it's not stuff you want to do when you're feeling under pressure, because actually you've also got another afternoon surgery booked um, that you've got to get to. And so you're going to race through these. It's, it's, it's stopping you being put in a position of enforced underperformance. Um, and and um, so it may well be and in locum deck we've got locums who do this who um, they they have sessions because in locum deck you can create an infinite number of different types of mm-hmm. sessions. I mean, some people, some of our um, locum deckers are putting in um, um, non-clinical or, or non, non-patient contact admin time for two or three hours. They're charging exactly the same rate. There's mm-hmm. no reason why you need to charge any less or any more. Arguably, you could, one could charge more. I don't know, but anyway, it, it, it's 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 a very important piece of work to do, and mm-hmm. you need to it needs to be planned in advance, not all sort of like you say yeah. dumped on you. Well, that, well, thanks for making that point. Yeah, so, so saying it's yeah, so I like your point that it's it's not saying you shouldn't be doing this as a locum. It's saying actually it just needs to be properly discussed and agreed upon, and there can be a a cultural misunderstanding uh, amongst practices who just assume that their GP partners are just doing this uh, behind the scenes and therefore all all people stepping in and covering that doctor are going to do the same and and it's actually fine to say actually you know this is actually this wasn't discussed or I need time or or payment or 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 some special induction for this it's not just that don't 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 be um, bulldozed into it because it's not safe yeah um, so that that's we we've digressed from our terms and conditions picker, um, but yeah, and um, so I mean perhaps maybe if we just tell people Richard that that the, there is there are terms in, there is a terms and conditions templates with built into to locum debt and it's a great. Um, starting point if you're new to locuming just to prompt you to think about some of the um, issues um, and you can you could there's, there's space for you to tick different options or add your own free yeah. text um, and then those terms and conditions if you're using locum deck um, get displayed to the practice whenever you make a, a booking or if they're, they're clicking on your profile in their calendar they can see uh, they can see all of your information about you and your your terms and conditions oh so is it does uh, can you remind me when, when the locums 
do the um, the request practice to confirm a booking because we've got the system within Locum Deck where you put in all your sessions that you've booked on the calendar, you click a button, an email goes to the practice manager, mm. they can yeah. read your email, say, yep, that's exactly what we discussed. Click on, they click on a button and then it, it updates your calendar with them as confirmed sessions. Is there a link to the TNCs in that? Yeah, that- totally. So so any if you're using Locum Deck, any... Uh, any booking or actually in, in invoices that you send, actually any booking or invoices that you send that going by email, there's a clickable link from within the email. But also uh, when, on the practices locum deck end, if, if they're properly linked with you on locum deck, you get this um, added, if you like, security and benefit that uh, the practice can see live live summaries of your bookings and invoices from within locum deck. They don't have to go through their email inbox to find stuff, which can be a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, fantastic. Um, but they can also click on links um, from any of your bookings once they open up your profile there's your name there's your terms and conditions and of course terms and conditions are about the stuff which is going to tend to be uh, a fairly boilerplate maybe it's your it's your kind of red lines that you want to apply to most bookings anywhere but there might there will be some uh, practice specific conditions that you might want to to uh, specify for each of your bookings you know you might uh, d- depending on the practice and your level of familiarity with them, uh, there might be different things that you're prepared to do in different practices. Um, so, you know, if, if you're going back to your old training practice where you know them very well, you, you might be prepared to be on call, see, see loads of patients, do all sorts of administrative tasks with them, fine. If it's a practice where you're much, much less familiar, you might want to lock down those those terms a little bit more. You know, you might want to be specifying a, a smaller number of patients. You might want to be talking about longer appointment lengths, maybe with some breaks or catch-up slots in between. You might not be happy to do visits. All of these things just to think about and go through your mental checklist. Um, and... You know, you quickly will as you're booking with with practice and starting to build up a mental map of practice in your area. You'll quickly start to piece these bits together. Uh, the guidebook, the handbook that we've done, talks you through some of the things to watch for. Uh, and Locum Deck was built for this. I mean, Locum Deck was built around safe booking processes and uh, the the detail, the level that you have real control and flexibility about setting up all sorts of different session types for different practices with different pay rates attached. Um, you've got lots of flexibility to specify as many variables. So, so locum is, can, have, can have specific rates for specific practices. It's as flexible and customizable. Oh yeah, you that? can have you know, many different, but you can set up as many different session types as you like and attach them to many as many different Tra- practices travel, as you like. Travel, visit, yeah, you can add um, extra travel travel costs if you want, want to do that. You can add, some people do charge per visit. Some people will have a sessional rate in which a certain number of visits are included. Again, you know, be specific. But it's, but these are the, so you can have practice-specific visit rates and practice-specific travel Well, rates. yeah, and I, I think that's really useful because I can think of, of places where I've been where um, visits are a joy. You know, it's quite a nice, narrow geographical area. It's easy to get to people and park outside. And I can think of other practices I've been to um, where they have branch surgeries and the locum always gets sent to the practice that's furthest away. And I don't mind, you know, <laughs> but you just have to, you, you once you're aware of that, you might start to think, well, actually, if I'm going to spend 10 
10 miles in a traffic jam i've got to allow for that in in my pricing right, of this session right, yeah. and how long it's going to take me and whether or not i want to add a visit charge or you know something around that that that, that compensates me for the time and the uh uh, and the uh, cost of getting there. So, yeah, yeah you, you you've got all that flexibility there. Um, but I think other th- other th- other things to be aware of, if you, other other trends that are out there in general practice that you might come across, which might affect how you how you have your own personal checklist of what you're prepared to do in each practice and and things that you raise with practices when you're negotiating bookings. Um, pitfalls that we're finding uh there's a lot of uh people out there as we try to manage appointments and demand there's a lot of triage systems out there uh and doing a surgery if you have a practice where they're operating triage and they also have lots of sort of allied non-gp health professionals um whom they skim off all the seemingly supposedly acute simple things to it means that the gps can often be left with uh, very complex um, ill people and you can end up in a triage surgery uh, with a really demanding surgery um, where you might have to arrange kind of two or three admissions I think my record was four and if this is all that's fine again that's fine but you need to know about it and there might need to be some adjustment of appointment length there or number of patients that you're seeing or some agreement that um, actually if your time is taken up um, with an, an unusual run of high demand patients you might be charging more for that um, because it can be a bit hellish if all of that's trying to be crammed into a 10 minute appointment so triage surgery uh, is one thing to watch out for the we talked about the you know the non-contact patient management task being slipped in under the radar you know or can you just do this um linked to that another trend obviously there are lots of fantastic um allied health professionals now joining general practice helping out with demand so people like paramedics and nurses and the confusing thing can be if you're not familiar with the practices that they may or may not be wearing name badges they may or may not be wearing uniforms you just don't know the the uh, qualifications or experience of people so if you're asked to review a case or talk through something with somebody or even sign a prescription acute prescription that's been generated by somebody else it's, it can be really difficult and often this happens <laughs> it usually happens to me if I'm uh, just finishing one consultation walking down the corridor to get the next patient from the waiting room and you get accosted by someone you've never met and it really is difficult and of course you want you've got that that conflict you want to help out but you really don't know this person is it safe or not you're um, in a rush you're already 30 minutes behind yeah. they are they you assume they might be a medical student or if they're you a, just don't know you just no idea but 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 but, the, but often it's not so much that we don't know it's actually we take shortcuts and we 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 reflexly assume that they are something and that's the danger mm. we don't question them mm. we just say yeah sure i'll sign mm. that thing and it can be uncomfortable to question people again you Mm. can get that feeling of you know you're being awkward you're being obstructive actually you know if you're asking me if you're asking me it's me that's now taking the clinical risk so actually i do need to um check so again it's absolutely fine if you know about it and there's time slots built in in fact i know one surgery um, locally where i work they they run nurse clinics and it's absolutely brilliant because they're upfront about it and they say you know, every fourth slot you, you're going to be blocked off so you can help out with queries, which is fantastic, and that's fine, that's how it should be. It's when it's sort of slipped under the radar and 
you're expected to do something that you weren't prepared for. So supervising non-GP colleagues. And again, we have that as a category uh, in locum deck. Yeah. Um, so um, if you're setting up a practices uh, profile, you're setting up a practice record in your address book, there's a page about extra duties and what you're happy to do, what, what extra charges you might be applying. And supervising non-GP colleagues comes up. Doing, doing telephone work as well. And again, this is something where... Um, I think it, I mean, telephone consultations are a specific skill set which you may or may not be comfortable with. But I think when you're doing it in a practice where actually very often the disposal at the end of a phone call might involve you maybe uh, signposting them somewhere or making a booking to another clinic. Or if you, again, if you don't know the practice's systems, you've got to ask yourself how useful you're going to be at that. And if you're asked to do it, find out more uh, and make sure you, you've got adequate time because again uh, I've often seen it where you've got your nice 10 minute appointments and suddenly there's two or three crammed into one slot and you think what's going on here and, and it's this assumption that telephone calls are somehow going to be quicker when actually they're consultations so just be aware of that and again we have that as a category yeah on your um open deck practice profiles really and in this in the in the in the terms and conditions i see staring at me there we obviously got a built-in cancellation um um policy as well so you can you can either have it na which we don't recommend um so if you're cancelled within 15 to 26 days you can tick whether you charge 10 percent of your fee or 100 percent. there's a 7 to 14 days less than seven days and 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 that that is it. It rarely happens that you will get a cancellation, but boy, when it does, if and if you've not got any T's and C's, mm. I mean, you you that 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 can be extremely expensive, very upsetting. The another beauty about this T's and C's picker um, in locum deck is you can change it as often as you like. You can you can update it if you if you want to move things around. You certainly can, but but what we do. Uh, to 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 protect everybody is there's an archive facility so every time you do make a change mm. um there is a there is a copy uh left on the system so when the practice manager receives your uh request to confirm a load of sessions or your invoice or your book your own booking confirmations when she clicks on the links or he or she clicks on the links to see your t's and c's they will also be able to see um your, your previous versions of them so so what you what, that that protects the practice that, that that locums can't retrospectively change the cancellation policy or change something. Mm. There's always a history of it, and that's just in the in terms of openness and transparency and being fair mm. that we have this that we that we we, we thought yeah. of that and put that in there. So we've kind of you know so the terms and conditions are great place to start and there's I say there's going to be some things which are perhaps boilerplate that you want applied to every booking which is where your terms and conditions come in but there's also we've just through our romp there through <laughs> through considerations around what what work you're happy to do and just thinking that through there's probably about I say 20 other parameters we've just covered there around appointment links and this that and the other so um uh that that's your own mental checklist what something that's really common query that people get in a fluster about are pay rates what yeah. are what are the issues do you think around what can we say to people about the issues around discussing pay uh how that rubs up against um the office of fair trading and yeah so, so the office of fair trading is 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 there for a very very good reason it's a governmental department and it's there to stop uh, uh businesses 
um, misleading their customers and, and being unfair. And, and as a GP locum, you're a business. Um, and if you talk to another locum and you collude with them to do something that artificially uh, confuses the customers, the practices, then it's as bad as, as if you are Tesco's and they're, and they're Asda. Selling, mm. saying, right, okay, bread, 50p a loaf. Yeah, 50p a loaf. Yeah, both agree. Okay, great. So we won't tell anybody that we've had this conversation, but bread in all our shops is now 50p a loaf mm. um, or, or five pounds a loaf. Um, and, 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 and the poor customers are none the wiser. And then that, that's bad. That's unfair. When you do your shopping, you would hate that if you knew that was going mm. on. And when that does happen, those businesses are fined enormous amounts of money. Um, uh, and I think I can't remember what it is if you're a locum. It's three. It's it's some percentage of your income for for the past three years or something. I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, I've got to figure on my but it, yeah. I don't. I don't want to, to. So how do we as locums then 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 do this? Well, as 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 a business, as a company, you are perfectly entitled to as is as was tesco's tesco's walk around waitrose and they look at the prices and they do their research uh, and it gives them a basis with which to set their own prices um and and plumbers can do this doctors can do this uh any business can do this um but if you were to but well, as i said what you mustn't then do is when you've done your piece of research i think my rate is going to be x amount per hour then then go up approach other locums and, and the OFT certainly on the website used to say look even if you have this as a conversation on a golf course on a Saturday morning and you just decide to stick to the same both both charge mm. the same rate mm. um, that's illegal and that's price fixing and you you two are operating as a cartel so the, the upshot is it's fine and expected and all okay to discuss ask around, find out what the local um, conditions are with what people are are charging, but it's not fine to get together with other people and discuss setting your prices uh, yeah. in some way. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So, but then, <laughs> so, 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 so yes, you, you can ask around um, um, and you can, you, you, th- th- I think some, some people get overly sensitive about this. 20 years ago, when, when I certainly started locuming, the, the British Medical Association actually published a, a range of rates and the BM... I remember, uh, yeah. yeah. and the BMA got their, their knuckles wrapped for this because they were effectively setting the rates. And, of course, the BMA uh, were, were so, less so now, but, but certainly in those days, were by a vast majority of BMA members were employers. And um, yes, yeah. and they were kind of therefore. It's it's like us as you know to plumbers. It's like a lot of households, the whole of people, residents of a whole city, saying getting together and saying, right, we're not. No plumbers are going to charge us anything more than twenty pounds an hour. Yes. You just can't do that. Sure. So on, they got on the no- other hand, there are big surveys of what locums are charging every year, which are published, which are fine. So that that's I guess in the first case you talked yeah. about, it was more or less getting together and setting rates. In the second case, it's more. Uh, the research side of things. Yeah. No, no, the, the reason why Mediconomics and GP Online can get away with doing those surveys is because they are not representative organisations. They are not employers. They are right. as open to, to GP partners as, okay. and, as they are to locum. So it's a piece of research. So that that's a good way to do it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, 
and, and certainly if you Google online, you can find those those uh, copies of those surveys mm. and then you can up that mm. for inflation. And of course, you've got to take into into account your the, the huge rise in medical indemnity fees, mm. GMC costs, et cetera, et cetera. The fact that locums um, don't get paid for appraisal. Um, got to factor that in, and oh, I know yeah. you've I mean, spent you're, God you're, knows how long to your you're appraisal. Right. You're, you are. I think there is a that it, it's ever the howl of people who are employed to to balk at the sort of headline pay rates that self-employed people seem to be getting. Um, but it is important to hold your head up high and realise that as a locum, you are um, a, a doctor who is expected to comply with the same CPD, appraisal standards. You, you have all the same professional running costs um, as, as other doctors who might be employed. And you're having to fund that all from your, from your locum pay. Um, so, you know, you're covering your sick leave, your annual leave, your study leave, your indemnity, all, all of those things. If you're a young doctor coming through with debt, you're also servicing debts. Um, so, and, you're, and, and as a locum, you probably, depending on your circumstances and dependence and who you're with, etc., you're probably having to look at financial protection products as well, like income protection um as a self-employed person definitely so all of these good things, article on that in the latest in yeah magazine. well i just I've, I've always thought richard it'd be a great piece of work for us to kind of break down i don't know how we'd do this but get some sort of calculator going where people could plug in what they're paying uh, for different things and, and get some sort of proportion estimator of my you know i'm charging you 100 pounds but you know 45 50 pounds is going to this mm. you know so that's so much of it is tax so much of this proportion and that actually my take-home pay therefore is this and i think that would it would probably surprise people actually mm-hmm. So, and that's that's a roundup of how you could generate the terms and conditions, um, how locum debt could help you with that, and just thinking about some of the other maybe more practice specific parameters that you might be thinking of in setting your uh, work conditions. Some of the trends that are out there in, in mm-hmm. general practice to watch for that could trip you up. How to handle things like repeat prescriptions or all that sort of stuff. Um, and I think that's probably draws this section to a close. And perhaps in the next episode, we could look at how you can sort of bake that into, um, you know, how do you actually transfer that into actually making a booking? OK, brilliant. Thanks ever so much for that, Sarah. And um, keep on giving us your feedback to uh, to any SGP. Keep your feedback and your ideas coming for Locum Deck as well. Don't forget you can um, download the free uh, NESGP uh, handbook for uh, on starting out as a locum and subscribe to the uh, locum podcasts on um, uh, the art of GP locuming all at the bottom of the front page of the NESGP magazine and we'll speak to you in the next podcast thank you uh.